Hello. I'm straining against the huge temptation to tap the mic. Is this thing on? I'm John Healy. I'm an editorial writer for the Los Angeles Times. That means I am allowed to express opinions. So what you'll be hearing from me is largely opinions. They don't represent my employer, just me. And if you see somebody else from the Los Angeles Times expressing opinions, that's your imagination. And with me, Tim Westergren, who is the founder of Pandora. How many of you folks have Pandora in some iteration of your communications infrastructure, your smartphone, your computer? Okay, so that's precious close to 112%. The main reason that we're here today, despite the, the billing, it's not just a conversation between the two of us. We're going to start by talking about what I think Tim would probably say is the most important issue in front of you now, which is the thing that is driving the business model, which is how much they have to pay in royalties. And not just Pandora, but everybody who is what they refer to as a non-interactive webcaster, somebody who has a statutory license to music and plays it on the air. So roughly how many songs are you guys playing in the course of pick a time period, a day, an hour? A in terms of streaming. hours or, or, or just a, the, 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 so we have over a million songs in the collection. Right. Over 95% of them play every month. And so the total volume that you're playing, mm. just to give people an idea uh, of the amount of the royalty hit on you guys, roughly. We, we're talking millions of songs, clearly. Yeah, well, we, we, uh, we stream more hours of music than YouTube streams hours of video right now, or we're kind of neck and neck. So it's an enormous volume, and it, you know, it amounts to tens and this year hundreds of millions of dollars in royalties. Okay. So if you were an over-the-air broadcaster, you would be mm. paying royalties to the songwriters, and you are paying royalties to the songwriters. Mm-hmm. Is, it, you, is there parity between what you pay and what over-the-air radio pays to the songwriters? Yeah. On the publishing side, it's consistent, you know, in the 3 to 4% of overall revenue range. So we're all even on that, that okay. count. So now in terms of what you're paying for the recorded music, the other copyright, if you were the over-the-air the air broad, over broadcaster, you wouldn't be paying anything, That's at least right. today. There's the legislation now stands. That's right. Um, but you're not. You're, you're paying some fraction of a penny per song per person who listens. Is that That's right? That's right. Yeah. Our, our, the law is actually written where we pay the greater of uh, this fraction of a penny. It's, it, it, it amounts to a, a little over two cents an hour given an average uh, per hour song load or 25% of revenue, whichever is greater. And right now, that per song fee is far greater. It's over half of our overall revenue. Okay. And um, one might argue that two cents an hour uh, per listener, Mm -hmm. that doesn't sound like a lot of money. Yeah. Um, Why is that 55% of your revenue? Why why are you getting four cents an hour per person? I mean, the truth is that in this debate, that actual figure is one of the most difficult elements and I think misleading elements of the debate because, God, that doesn't sound like a lot of dough. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it adds up in a hurry. And we'll do well over $200 million of, reven- of, uh, of royalty payments this year on those that two-ish cents an hour per hour uh, a royalty. So it's misleading to think of it in that, even though it's yes. true, you're right. It's a fraction of a penny per song. Um, the you know the 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 a, a, a well run broadcast radio station will do you know six or seven cents an hour in revenue. Well run broadcast station, and that, we're talking you know twelve or thirteen minutes of advertising an hour 
with something of a captive audience and a well-established brand in the geogra- geography they own, mm-hmm. you know. So um, the approach that uh, you folks are advocating is calculating royalties in a different way. Mm-hmm. How do you want um, the um, law to be changed so that uh, the playing field is different? Yeah, so, so what we're advocating in the bill we have in front of Congress right now is asking for one simple thing, a, uh, an important but simple thing, which is for our rates to be set under the same standard, it's called the 801B standard, as is used in setting the rates for other forms of digital radio, namely satellite radio and cable radio. So right now, we all three operate under a compulsory license, but when we go before the rate uh, judges and the copyright office to determine our rates, we're held to a different standard. It's called the willing buyer, willing seller standard, which sounds reasonable on the surface, willing buyer, willing seller, but it has led to not just us and multiple occasions, some really bizarre and, and uh, destructive rate settings. So we just want to be, we want the same standard extended to web radio that's currently being used by our competition. Now under the uh, standard that you're proposing, the one that applies to um, Sirius XM and to cable uh, music services, there are, I think, four factors that go into determining the rate. But the, the main difference, as I understand it, is that when you look at um, figuring out how much should be paid, the rate setters, the, the panel of, of people setting the rate, also consider the effect on your industry as well as the effect on the music industry. Right now, that isn't a factor before the, the, the copyright uh, board that's determining your rates today, correct? That's right. In fact, it's explicitly excluded from the process. So, All right. So if, they, if, the, if the board felt that the fair rate would, be, would end up taking 99% of your revenue, that under current law is what they would do. Well, the rate that was set in 2007 that we subsequently were able to, through negotiation, reduce somewhat would have been 86% of our revenue uh, this year. So yeah, you're almost right. Now, the pushback from the music industry on this is, well, under the current approach, willing buyer, willing seller, that is what the marketplace would do. If we didn't, we and pretend I'm uh, now the major record labels incarnate, um, if we didn't have to give you licenses to our material, if there was no compulsory license and we negotiated mm-hmm. – the deal that we'd come out with is what a willing buyer and a willing seller would reach. So what's wrong with that as a fundamental concept? Yeah, and, and it's a good question. Again, another one like you know, to, you know, a fraction of a penny an hour, willing buyer, willing seller is a really powerful soundbite. It sounds right. But the problem is that this is a new industry. There is no precedent in our market for willing buyer, willing seller. There's no, really no such thing. Um, uh, we operate under compulsory license, and, and so the the – assignment that was given to the judges when they do this in 2005 to set our rates was to find an example of a willing buyer and a willing seller agreeing to a price in your industry. And there was no such thing. So they went, they went sort of fishing around for alternatives, and the thing they landed upon was subscription services, you know, fully interactive, on-demand uh, subscription services. Used that to benchmark the rate for us, and I think just backed off of it by a certain percentage. So I think it represented sort of not only a huge miss in terms of understanding just what the two services, what the difference between you know subscription and radio on demand versus you know non on demand, but I think it was kind of 
uh, it was driven by this really comp- uh, problematic standard um, that you know Pandora literally or webcasters in those hearings can't present evidence about driving music sales. It's not considered relevant to that arbitration uh, hearing, which I think is a huge problem. You know, there's a, a study just came out from NPD, uh, you know, a very uh, well-established study that says this last year, while overall sales for the average consumer c- consumption of music uh, dropped purchasing, uh, Pandora listeners are 29%. It's gone up 29% year on year this last quarter. So that ought to be part of the conversation. And that's that comes the back tw- to the purpose I'm sorry, of pop, the 29% copyright. increases in their, uh, their P- amount purchasing. of purchases? Correct, okay. if they're using Pandora. Okay. Um, I keep getting back, though, to the question of what is music worth. If I'm somebody who's um, an artist and uh, I'm looking at the fractional amounts of money uh, that end up on my plate because um, of the streaming that webcasters do. And I look at their business, which is essentially building a business around my product. Why shouldn't uh, artists be able to essentially force you guys to pay more, even if it means changing the business model? Uh, Great question. And I actually think that this whole debate ought to be about how do you uh, build the largest and healthiest revenue stream in the long run. And I really believe that the right way that, to do that is to provide some relief for the webcast rate for, for internet radio because the total revenue that comes out of this business is a function of two things. It's the per song fee multiplied by the number of songs that we play. Those are two of the, fundament, the two fundamental variables, variables that derive the number at the end. Right now, this thing's way up here, and the number of songs is commensurately depressed you know yahoo aol and msn the three largest webcasters we launched are essentially gone mm-hmm. they exited the business wound up selling it or outsourcing it and, and, and just you know de-emphasized it because of these rates so yeah you've got a high rate but what's that done it's compressed the industry and i think that one of the great bright spots for the recording industry is the this transition that's happening into internet radio where there's stakeholders for the first time and what I think is going to be the next generation of, of radio, if it's allowed to, to, to grow, artists could be participants in that as a share of the revenue and a significant one. And if, you, if you're an investor in a space like that, you think, okay, not only what's the right per song fee, but how do I get this to grow? How do I accelerate that transition? And right now, that's not happening. Although the argument in response to that, and, and I remember this very clearly from the, this is probably the, first round, we've been now through um, three or four convulsions in, in webcasting uh, because there would be word. a law that would create a process. The process would yield a result that was insane. Congress would be besieged typically by the religious broadcasters who are the ones who have clout and uh, end up with a change first for small webcasters and then for every webcaster. The One of the arguments that the the record labels made in the early days, and there is something to be said for this, which is, well, if the royalties are so high that that fewer players can afford to participate, that means that you're culling the weak ones Hmm. and keeping the strong ones. And that is good for the people who get paid royalties because it means that the folk who are actually out there generating revenue – are the ones who are draw, attracting the audience because they're the only ones going to be left out there. So why doesn't that help um, 
uh, my stable of, of, of artists if I'm a label. If uh, mm. folk that aren't making money, that are streaming a lot of music, are driven out of the business. I totally agree with that. I think the strong are the ones that should survive. You shouldn't allow businesses to freeload on content. I'm a musician myself. I, I, I believe that to my core. I think the pendulum has gone too far. Mm. That's all we're really saying is that if you uh, brought it back a little bit, the net effect would be positive. Maybe some companies that weren't quite as strong would actually be able to survive and grow. But the, the, I think the net of that is you're going to drive that number of songs spin up so much higher that it will rapidly swamp any sort of near-term loss you might have from reducing a rate. And again, we're, not ar- we're, we're arguing for a different standard. We don't know what the rate will be. Mm-hmm. That's not part of this legislation. It's just saying give us the same factors uh, allow us to argue our case using the same factors as the competition and we'll, and let the chips fall where they may. Do you think that over-the-air broadcasters should be part of that equation too? You know, it's a different... Uh, if we could I, take politics out of the equation. Yeah, yeah, I mean... <laughs> and then we'll put them back in and we can have two different answers to this question. Oh, boy. You know, look, it's a different issue from ours. It's unfair, you know, but, uh-huh. but it's it's... The challenge we face in Washington is that there's always, you know, while that war has waged on for decades, literally, internet radio has been sort of stuffed behind it. Like, oh, we can't fix your problem because we've got this problem over here. That's really untenable now. At some point, you've got to say, well, you know, enough is enough. Like, this, this industry can't wait anymore while these elephants battle it out. Uh, let's let's uh, fix this problem, which needs to be fixed. All we have to do on the broadcaster problem is just make sure that every smartphone has an FM receiver in it. <laughs> no, don't you all want an FM receiver in your phone? So here's the incredible, here's the absurdity of the situation, you know. If you have a smartphone, you can listen to radio, but depending on which, the way the sound is getting to you through the phone uh, has dramatically different implications for the royalty rate. It's really, it's, it's an anachronism now, you know. Mm-hmm. You can get into a car and listen to three different kinds of radio and the artist is getting radically different compensation depending on just the methodology is getting to your woofers, you know. It's this law lags technology. Another point that uh, I'd like to hear your response to, again from the major labels, they are essentially argument, arguing that Pandora in particular isn't trying hard enough to sell ads. If you look at the ad load on Pandora versus the ad load on an over-the-air station, mm. over-the-air stations have, you say, 12 per hour, mm. I think about 60. Um, and you guys <laughs> have a couple. Mm. Um, so, doggone it, why aren't you out there selling advertisements? Yeah, so, I mean, we obviously are out there selling advertising. You know, half of our employees do that, um, over 600 employees. Um, but I actually think it's... Uh, this, will, this will sound like a dodge, but it's not. Um, that it's kind of a red herring. You know, the, the, the right question to be asking isn't, can Pandora be better at selling ads? The right question is, um, what's, the, what's the rate, the right rate that will drive the most overall revenue? And that rate is not the one that's in place right now. Mm. Um, the, Pandora and every company has every incentive in the world to maximize the, the, the uh, revenue. Um, it's there already. The question is, how do you set it at a level that will encourage competition? I mean, we would welcome competition. Um, competition would, would you know, I, I spend half my time in and among advertising agencies 
because one of our biggest goal, uh, uh, objectives right now is to evangelize a category. I'd love to have 30 other webcasters out there doing the same thing and convincing you know, the Digitases and McCanns and you know, so on of the world that this is a great space to spend your ad money. That's how industries move. And right now we're just kind of, we don't have that heft. Uh, and, and again, if you had multiple players, it would accelerate that. But you have something to offer uh, potentially that over-the-air broadcasters don't. You know who your listeners are and you can tell them. Yeah, I mean, it's a fantastically effective advertising platform, and we're doing really well on it. Um, and there's a lot of repeat business that's growing, and we're doubling our revenue uh, uh, pretty much annually. So it's, it's a very um, it's a good story there. But, you know, it's interesting on that point. Uh, that, uh, that aspect of Internet radio is valuable for advertisers. It's also potentially immensely valuable for musicians. You know, so we at Pandora, we kind of know what people like, uh, and we know where they live. I mean, not literally, um, but we know vicinity based on their zip codes. So the pos- prospect exists for Pandora to actually, you know, activate uh, fans for bands traveling around the country trying to put, bring people into clubs. But the development on that kind of technology is stuck because we spend every last penny we have trying to build another ad product. And I think, you know, one of the invisible consequences to this kind of rate is it stifles innovation. Uh, and, and a big piece of that innovation could directly impact the, the, li- the plight of the working artist. You've made me think of two things, and I'll try to remember to come back to the second one. But one, you talk about the plight of artists. Streaming uh, media is proving to be a good revenue stream for the companies that have lots of artists to aggregate. But for individual artists, you hear nothing but complaints. Well, not nothing but complaints. You hear plenty of complaints about how little of that money makes it down to them. Now, some of that is artist contract issues. But some of it is because if you're one artist with a limited number of releases and you're in this big pool, Mm. there's not a lot of money that comes to you directly. So how... Does this end up helping? How does streaming generally, webcasting generally, end up helping at the individual level as opposed to the aggregator level who are seeing some reasonable money? Hey, Molly, can I talk about that stuff yet or not? Is it up? We were hoping to have published some stuff this morning before our talk, and we're kind of working on it right now with some actual figures around this. There are are a couple artists making over $2 million themselves from Pandora. There are many artists making well over $100,000 individually from Pandora. Um, but these probably are artists who have brand names and who don't really need the money. Some of them, but you'd be surprised at how many artists on Pandora are making more than the average household income in the U.S. just from Pandora. Okay. And we're going to put out some Average data. household income this year or four years ago? Uh, currently, a 50 grand. Um, we're going to put out some data on this because you're right that there's a huge, I think, perception right now that the average artist makes 15 bucks a year from a streaming mm-hmm. service, and that's just far, far from the truth at Pandora. And is that simply a function of scale, how much you're yeah, doing? Yeah, scale. And we're you know, a little over 6% of radio. Imagine, you know, we'll put out some numbers and just do some math in your head and imagine if internet radio goes from, six, you know, uh, from you know, a little over 6% or these numbers went from 6.5% to you know, 30 40 50%. You know, we're talking about uh, making a living, you sure. know, uh, and, and these numbers are enormous and they could be growing a heck of a lot faster. 
And the other thing that I was wondering about, um, new revenue streams. You mentioned one, one possibility of a, a partnership opportunity with artists uh, and uh, venues potentially and, and promoters. Uh, aside from the, the 30-second spot or the banner ad, what are you seeing in the platform? Where, where are the opportunities in the platform to, do, to find some new revenue that is not in the music business today? Um, for artists, are you saying as an advertising mechanism? Either way. Well, so so Pandora has kind of you know a handful of fundamental ad uh, products. There's a visual ad, there's a video, and there's audio, and they interplay with each other, and they vary depending on whether you're consuming Pandora on a smartphone or listening to Pandora on a smartphone or a blue a flat screen TV or a computer, um, and uh, campaigns utilize them all at the same time and across multiple platforms. So. We're doing everything we can, I think, to sort of innovate around that, and, and it's working. Um, I, I do think that, that the, the potential, the, the, the immense potential for artists is the, is the idea of, you know, your indie band, um, typical indie band, you're going to tell your ride for the first time. I did this once, I'll remember it, you know. And you get, you get to town, you've never been there before, you're not large enough to get spun on the local radio station, so no one knows about you, what do you do? Well, we literally put signs up on telephone poles, and uh, we went to clubs and we handed out little postcards and stuff. Well, you know, on Pandora, I know you have 3,000 people within a five-mile radius of Telluride that have thumbed up your music. What about letting them know you're coming, you know? That's the infrastructure that's always been missing from this business, and it's a business that has, uh, as a consequence, relied 100% on broadcast radio. Mm -hmm. um, and broadcast radio can play one song at a time, so it's a very, very narrow pipe. Well, what if you could do something similar but do it for t literally tens of thousands of artists and do it for every, every day you know, across the country? That, to me, is the vision of where this could be if Internet radio had the kind of share it's capable of having. Does that mean that you or somebody in the, in the webcasting market is going to come up with the uh, mechanisms that, that not only can you thumb up a song, mm -hmm. but you can buy tickets to the closest concert. You, all the, the whole e-commerce uh, surroundings, all that gets integrated into the radio player? So that's not a big step if you think about it. No. You know? um, so is that a vision for Pandora? You bet. Um, and again, I think the potential, and, and we've done this actually, I say potential, we've done this, we've done some experiments, you know, we, we did a show a long time ago with Amy Mann, invited people that have thumbed up her music to the Largo uh, cl uh, Club in L.A., folk who live nearby, filled the place on a Tuesday night. She didn't do anything. Her manager did nothing. The club owner did nothing. And out of the blue, out of the nowhere, comes this huge crowd of people who liked Amy Mann. And we could do that for a band that, you know, a, a singer-songwriter who sounds like Amy Mann, you know, and email Amy Mann fans and say, you like her, you probably like this singer-songwriter is coming to this club in your neighborhood. So the, the uh, again, I, I lived out of a van for a long time. I was in a band for years and years. And, you know, we drove 1,500 miles and played for six people. You know, that's why bands burn out. Because you, you can't, you don't have any, there's no tailwind. You know, you're just like right. manually building your audience. And there's only so many Dave Matthews bands on the planet, you know, that have the tenacity to survive. And, and technology could be harnessed to do that. Instead, right now, technology is literally being suffocated. Hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit more about who is actually in the webcasting market uh, today. 
you mentioned some big players that have gotten out or de-emphasized, but there seem to be new folks entering all the time. I just wrote about Fuzz. Yeah. Um, if the environment, the financial environment is so hostile, why are people still getting in? I think people want to make it work somehow. They're aspirational, mm-hmm. you know, and, and uh, people are still investing in the music space. There remain very, very few happy stories mm-hmm. uh, in the music space. But I think it's an exciting uh, it's, it's an exciting industry, and I think investors and entrepreneurs see opportunity because there's a demand for it. You know, sure. like, why, surely we can make this work. I got you know a huge audience here. I've got lots of great music and technology. There's got to be a way to make it work. You know, surely I can build a business on here. So there's this endless appetite to try and try again, which is great. Um, but again, you know, I just I just imagined what would happen if the, there actually was a, a, a royalty structure put in place that would, could support it. You know, longevity. What do you think of uh, Spotify getting into this arena? Um, it's their free mobile product. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I mean, they've got a great service, uh, and you know, they're facing their own economic woes. Um, and uh, uh, you know, radio is uh, if 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 they launched radio, they'd be another participant in the process. Um, but I think anybody who plays currently in radio space has to reckon with the same thing we reckon with, uh, and it's a uh, you know, it's tough. Um, and one of the one of the great challenges is um, to become an effective seller of advertising. You have to be large. That's mm-hmm. sort of the nature of the beast. And the getting to large phase is really expensive because while you're growing, every additional hour of listenership that you uh, accrue comes with a, a royalty payment. But you're not very good at advertising during that period of time, so you blow through a lot of money. And we, blew, we Pandora spent a lot of money. Uh, getting to where we are now. Good times. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. We borrowed a lot of money, didn't we, Larry? Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, it's it's hard to get to get over the hump. So, uh, considering that um, growth period, local radio does, um, at least in the old days, d- does almost a purely local transactional advertising business. They go to the local uh, car salesman, the local TV shop. They say, you know, advertise your sales with me. Um, you're not a local brand, but you're radio. So what's your approach? Are you purely playing to the brand advertisers? Is there a transactional advertisement uh, opportunity for webcasters like you? Uh, a great question, and the answer is yes. And, and that's the fastest growing part of our business, is local like, advertising. Sort of like Groupon, in the sense that... I mean, it's not quite that. It's, 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 what, uh, what I mean by Groupon is Groupon... <laughs> People think of Groupon as, as the internet, mm. but Groupon is local advertising. Mm. That's why their costs are so high. They've got a ginormous sales staff because it's got to be local. Right? They've got, uh, last time I checked, about 10 times as many people selling ads as you guys do, mm-hmm. maybe 20. Yes, and so you know, we think of ourselves now as not just a big national radio station. We literally think of ourselves as a lot of small or large local radio stations because we we're the largest radio station in 18 of the top 25 markets in the U.S. now. So we are hiring local ad salespeople, literally many of them out of broadcast, to work and sell you know, K-PAN in any, any given uh, vicinity. Uh-huh. And we're selling ads to you know, local co- uh, you know, community colleges and to uh, fast food restaurants and to car dealerships. That's, mm-hmm. be- that's a growing sector for us. So we're attacking all of those things. But you also have the brand advertising play. Oh, you bet, yeah. That's, that's been our bread and butter for a while. And because you're online and you can target your, your advertising, 
uh, and uh, presumably uh, you can deliver coupons directly to people. Mm-hmm. Uh, that must give you opportunities that the over-the-air guys only dream about. Yeah, well, I think that's what makes web radio sort of a more potent platform because you're connected. So you can target it. You know, we have age, gender, and zip code, uh, as well as a style of music. So if you're an advertiser, you could say, I want to advertise to people listening to punk rock or country or whatnot. Um, and there's an action you can take. So you can have an audio ad that says, you know, this is so-and-so with Jerry's Mattress Store in downtown Dallas. We're having a sale. Click on the ad for more information or to download a coupon or whatnot. So you, you have a nice sort of one-two punch um, that seems to be working. So as more of radio listening moves to Internet broadcasters and the advertisers become comfortable with that format um, and your advertising revenue goes up, I'm just wondering back to the model of how copyright holders, how artists get compensated. Mm-hmm. Is the right approach over the long term a revenue split or is it – uh, finding uh, sort of an equilibrium on per-play royalties that adjusts to the size and maturity of the business? Um, the way I'd answer that is I think, I think that artists ought to be stakeholders in the upside of the industry. So that implies sharing a revenue. And I think you need a, a floor so that you don't get freeloading. You don't get businesses that are very poorly monetized, just kind of out there, and not caring. Sure, that's where the per play comes in. Yeah, so I think they're, those are both important components. All right. Um, we want to make this uh, interactive, uh, if we can. We have a, a microphone over there, so you can either wander up to the microphone when you have a question, or you can shout it out, and I'll be happy to repeat it. Either shout it out or just wander on over there. Uh, Josh Constein from TechCrunch. I want to see, uh, what has the effect been of Spotify's free radio service? Have you guys seen any uh, decline in usage of your guys' own mobile uh, music services? Yeah, no, we haven't seen any impact on our growth from anything that's launched in the last five years. Take that, Spotify. <laughs> of course, they're, they're still figuring out what they want to do in terms of their um, mobile-free thing. Right for for when they started, they viewed mobile as here's the route that we're going to persuade people to start paying for Spotify on, and then they thought, well, maybe we need to do the freemium on mobile as well, and but we're not going to make it on demand. We're just going to make it DMCA compliant. Well, you know, Pandora as a business, as as a company, is fundamentally organized around free radio, which we view as you know, the tap route for music listening in the U.S. And radio listening accounts for 80% of the hours Americans spend with music. That's as true today as it was, you know, 10, 20 years ago. Um, we see that as the biggest opportunity and the natural uh, destination for listening. So we're not a classic freemium business in that we want to annoy you enough out of the free service to get you to pay. That's not our model. We really think we need to make advertising business work. Does that mean that there's not a great, um, subscription uh, model out there, um, or maybe it just means that you're not interested in doing it. Well, history so far is that subscription businesses have a certain ceiling. Like there's a, they'll grow at X velocity up to a certain level, and then it tends to flatten out because there is a certain limited appetite for you know. You, uh, speaking for the U.S., I don't really know other markets as well. 
uh, for people who want to pay something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know how big that number is. I don't know where could it be if the price was exactly right or you know if the feature set was exactly right. I don't know. That's not that's not our core business, so we don't know it quite as well. But you know, Pandora has a three dollar a month subscription service, and a tiny, tiny fraction of our listeners take advantage of it. Mm-hmm. And that's basically the commercial avoidance business. Yes, exactly. That's yeah. the number one reason. Right. Just a, a quick follow up on that. Sure. I mean, does Pan, or does Spotify's free radio service like, is that where you guys in the long term that if they continue to grow uh, their their presence and mindshare and is on like is an on demand uh, music service combined with the radio is that more natural such that people can always listen to you know if they hear something they love on the radio they can hear it right again like is that a more natural music listening form than radio? Yeah. There's only really one thing that's worrying me right now, and that's our royalty situation in Washington. <laughs> I mean, everything else pales in comparison to that. Um, and, 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 you know, I don't worry about what other people are doing in our space. If there were more players, I think it'd be great. There'd be more people evangelizing the category. I think what we do is a lot harder than people think it is. Um, we have not just this immense amount of data, this music genome project that powers Pandora we've been working on for 12 years. We have, you know, I don't know what the number is up to now, but 10, 11, 12 billion pieces of thumb feedback now from listeners based on individual song preferences on ind- individual stations. That's all rolled into this big machine uh, that personalizes, and, and it's really, really hard to do. So, you know, we have a saying in Pandora, it's the playlist, stupid, hmm. and that's what we try to do, you know. Um, I might also observe and follow up to the TechCrunch question that, that Spotify isn't the only uh, – uh, company out there trying to do the free radio that you can upgrade to uh, to on demand. Um, there's there's Slacker uh, doing that too, and probably others. I think it's a sensible pipeline, you know, funnel get people on a radio service and then try to get them to subscribe. There's some reason behind that. Now you uh, you talked about the legislation. Um, Representative Chaffetz uh, is the sponsor in the House, and I think Senator Wyden uh, mm-hmm. is sponsoring similar legislation in the Senate. Uh, this is a, a session of Congress that is effectively over until after the election, and it's not one that has been uh, profoundly productive, uh, historically productive. Um, so is there, a, is there anything partisan about this issue that would uh, mean that, that this bill is dead in the water, or is it – are there other – is it basically just a battle of, of who's got the best lobbyists? Um, well, first of all, this is – it's completely bipartisan. I mean we have Tea Party candidates and socialists that want to support this bill. You know, it's, it's – uh, it, no, it has no enemy, you know, in, on the legislative side. I think that, that the, 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 the thing we're asking for – Jerry Nadler, he okay. is an enemy on okay, the legislative well, he, side. Yeah, um, maybe Jerry's against it. Um, but uh, – that what we're asking for on the Hill is eminently reasonable. We are saying just treat us fairly. Give us the same standard that our competition has. It's hard to look at that and say, you know what, that's unfair or that's wrong. But it's a messaging battle because mm. the other side is saying mm. yeah. our artists deserve to be paid when people yeah. are building their businesses around them. Yeah, and this, uh, this process is personally painful to me because, you know, unfortunately these debates – uh, wind up as sound bites. It's how it happens, and and and, they, and it, it's ha- that's how these arguments are translated to the hill, and it, it, it's historically worked. And the the shortchanging artist is a powerful, visceral line. I think it's actually wrong, and I think it does a huge disservice to artists to push that. 
Um, but it doesn't change the fact that it, it can be effective when you've got, you know, 10 minutes with a congressman. I do wonder uh, if there are artists pushing that or if it's just labels at this point, um, labels and sound exchange, because sound exchange does represent artists and performers. But are there, are there artists out there, groups of artists, Future Music Coalition, anybody like that who's saying, you know, we need, we need to keep the current formula? I haven't seen a lot of artists uh, support it. Although I think, you know, artists are uh, woefully inactive on these topics. I think that's a big failing of the artist community. Regardless of what side you're on, I mean, artists need to kind of participate in this debate. More questions? Otherwise, we're left with my banalities. Oh, yes, please. Oh, well, there's a whole line. I'm sorry. Hi, my name is Paul from Digital Music News. Um, Tim, my question has to do with the perception of this this battle from the outside. Um, you know, this is as much a, a battle over hearts and minds as it is logic. I would say maybe it's 90% hearts and minds. I read an opinion uh, by the Musicians Union that, that went very forcefully against against you. Uh, they felt that you were moving to shortchange artists mm. and uh, moving very aggressively against proper compensation. So my question to you is, is this worth it if the cost is that Pandora and Tim Westergren come out as being very anti-artist in this in this debate, is that a is that a very real risk here, and is that worth is that worth the cost of, of this? Is that a risk that you've you've considered? I think that's a great question. I mean, uh, he gets paid to ask questions. I'm yeah, I know. I think if there's one thing Pandora has stood for, I, I myself, I think of myself as a representative of Pandora, has stood for, it's treating artists fairly from the very beginning. You know, we have in our catalog over 100,000 artists, 70% of them are independent. And we have endeavored since we started to be a place that, you know, tries to include and op- properly compensates artists all across the spectrum. Um, and it's part of our core mission. It's in our DNA. Um, but I believe that ultimately, People will look back, and it will be some painful uh, time here, Paul, I think, inevitably. I think people will look back and say, oh, I see. I see what they meant. My check is three times larger than it was a year ago or two years ago. And all I, 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 I remember all I heard back then was they're kind of screw artists, but it turns out they weren't. Uh, but it's going to be painful getting it from here to there. Yeah. I'm Tom Murphy from the Recording Academy, and we've talked a lot about digital services and internet radio and migration to on-demand services and the Recording Academy has proposed another conversation about credits that if nobody buys CDs then how do you know who the artists were besides the name of the band Mm -hmm. how do you know the rest of the musicians or the engineers or the studio that was done at or other um, works that they've been involved in Um, how do you feel about the future of internet radio and providing more information so that if consumers want to go to other places to further support and to further engage in commerce, um, they have a mechanism to actually do that. I'm, I'm a huge fan of that. I mean, having tried to make records for years, I know that without a good producer, your chances are pretty low of doing that right. So I get, I totally get that it takes a village and those people ought to be recognized. And, you know, perfect example of the kind of thing you could build if you didn't have to worry every month about keeping your head above water, you know. Those are elective choices for a company, you know. Do you assign engineers to do that? Or do you assign them to optimize your mobile performance ad by, you know, 0.67% so you can get to this number, you know. And 
when you're chasing down a royalty burden that internet radio has, that choice is a no-brainer. But I think that uh, if this rate relief happened, you'd see a lot more of that kind of investment. We're jonesing to do that stuff. I mean, I have a, our CTO is a list a mile long of features, and that's one of them uh, that could accomplish that. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Hi, Tim. Uh, my name is George McIntyre. I'm a writer with the San Francisco Bay Guardian. Um, just to clear up, when you say 6%, that means Pandora has 6% of the radio market share, Yeah, right? about 6.5%, yeah, of all radio listening in the U.S. Okay. Um, and one of the things I'm covering at this event is whether or not uh, these apps and services will be able to reserve, uh, reverse the declining revenue streams, revenues to the music industry. And if that 6% grows into 10 or 20, 30, maybe 50%, do you think that the music industry's uh, revenues could actually be upsloping instead of downsloping? So uh, without a doubt, the, 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 the bottom that's falling out is the drop in CD sales. I mean, everybody knows that. And the challenge is how do you make that up? I think that we could make a big dent in that as an industry uh, if this was done right. I think it could be substantial. You know, r- radio has always been the single biggest music sector, but artists have never participated in it. Um, and uh, it's been bigger than retail uh, for a long time. And radio consumption is not going down, <laughs> you know. So uh, I think it's a great place to invest. You can make the case th- clearly that as listening shifts from over-the-air to webcast music, the royalty amounts go from, for at least on the recorded side, go from zero to, to something. But the folks on uh, the over-the-air side have always argued that their value is promotional. Mm-hmm. Can you make the argument that webcasting is at least as promotional as over-the-air radio? Cause especially bearing in mind that one of the reasons that they're promotional, at least the thinking is because they play a song 75 times a day. Mm-hmm. Um, that's, and you guys don't. Yeah. All, the, the only difference is the promotion's more distributed. Uh, absolutely. If you play one song 100 times more, it gets 100 times more than uh, one song, you know, 100 songs played once. That's just plain math. Uh, but again, NPD just came out with a study. We didn't know it was even being done that says Pandora listeners are buying 29% more music from over last year in this year in a period of time when that's going in the wrong direction for most consumers. So, yeah, I mean, I think internet radio is more promotional because you can buy something with one click. Mm-hmm. The problem is you're buying a song, not a CD. I mean, that, and those are different problems. Uh, and again, I mean, I used to, I, I was a musician, so I get the pain from not, from not getting to sell a $15, $20 item. Um, but uh, internet radio is not only, I think, a, a, a driver of newfound royalties and, and revenue on the, on the royalty side. It's also doing its best to kind of keep that commerce engine going, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so what about going beyond a dent, like a, f- a full-on, um, I mean, restoration back to the, the heyday of the 90s? I'm sorry, going back to what? Like, the, 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 you know, the good old days where there's billions of dollars, but coming from CDs but the same amount of revenue coming from internet radio. Well, that's the utopia we're all chasing. I mean, yeah. I, 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 think, I think that the, uh, uh, one of the keys to that is a more successful live performance industry. Live performing is a lot of, rev, uh, I think, monetization opportunities for musicians. And, and with the infrastructure that internet radio could build, that might become a much healthier, stronger industry that could replace a lot of revenue too. 
Hey there, uh, I'm Zoe Keating. I'm an artist. Yeah, we've. Um, yeah, I know you, Zoe. <laughs> we've met before. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyways, uh, you play the cello, right? I play the cello. Yeah. I'm not one of the two million dollar artists on Pandora, but it's more like two thousand dollars a year. So, oh. so that's pretty good. That's nice. Yeah. So, anyways, normally I find myself like arguing on the case for greater royalties across the board, but um, I, I liked your your arguments were really strong about the. Um, you know, performing, and I, I happen to be an early believer in Pandora. But I'm just curious if you um, have tried or if it's a possibility for you to do something like for the larger copyright holders who care mostly about money, that's one thing. Mm-hmm. But given that the large majority of the artists in Pandora are independents, mm-hmm. I think a lot of them would probably pay or waive royalties in exchange for some of the services that you're talking about. And I'm curious if you've, if that if the royalty rates would allow that. And I think you could be do, it, do it without it being exploitative. It's all about the story, and I think you could do it. But things like, um, you know, I think that things like uh, showing listeners, because I, I know anecdotally that Pandora is a huge discovery me- mechanism for me, for my fans. People find me on Pandora. So I know that they're a very valuable audience, and I would love to tell them that I'm performing nearby, and I would pay for that. I'd gladly waive my royalties personally. I'm not saying that royalties should be lower, but I'm just putting yeah. that out there. Yeah. So. <laughs> Maybe she should sit here instead of me. Uh, there you go. <laughs> um, so, well, look, look you know, I, that's an incredibly generous thing to say. I just don't feel right asking, you know, because like you said, you'd be asking the poor and downtrodden to take it in the chin, you know. It's like the history of the business. I just can't, I just can't do that, you know. Um, but, that's, but that's, I, a, that's a choice. That's something you could sign up for. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> I I, I, I I get what you're asking, and, and um, I don't think it's actually a solution to our economic issues. Um, uh, I, can, I, I get the, the, the sort of logic of what you're saying, but I also think there's a pedagogical problem for us around that. You know, that, that, um, that feels inconsistent to me with what we're trying to establish, which is, you know, build a healthy business and pay everybody, you know, and pay them well, but pay them, pay them the right amount. Um, and if you start to kind of dissect or, you know, I don't know, carve up your audience based on their need, their different needs, I think it's a slippery slope. Um, and and I, I just, I, I'd be really, I'm not wild about going there. Um, now, logistically, though, SoundExchange it, it cannot bind its members to accepting its deals, right? So if there's a, an indie label or an indie artist who wants to strike their own deal with Pandora, they can't. And don't, and don't get me wrong. This offer has been made to us many times. I mean, trust me, folks want to get, get – you know, we'll, we'll forego royalties. They will pay for placement on Pandora. We get that all the time. Like, can I get my song to spin on the Springsteen station? I'll pay for it, et cetera. But again, like that's a kind of a there's – a, there's a line at Pandora that, that we feel is pretty bright. Uh, we don't want to be a payola place in, in any shape or form, so – you know, our job is to take that two thousand dollars and make it twenty or fifty. You know, keep doing, keep keep good, living the dream. Hey, Tim, Mike Winger with the Recording Academy. Also, oh, yeah. um, what, one thing I was just wondering, just in the in the um, exchange about um, the royalty rate and the bill that's before Congress that you all are are working on. Um, the, I know the Recording Academy is, is against this bill mm. in particular, and we've been working to pass a Performance Rights Act for terrestrial radio that yeah. I know you all have been involved with yeah. as well. Uh, I'm just wondering, like, is is the idea of, of combining the mm. Performance Rights Act with the bill that you all are presenting, has mm. that been discussed? And is that something – because it seems like if you're talking about lowering rates anywhere for artists without some way to make up for that, particularly across a, a, the terrestrial radio sphere, which is a – in a, a bonanza of cash for artists mm-hmm. if that were to actually get paid from it. Um, 
Is that in the discussion or is this something that's just trying to bring down the rates for Internet radio so that it's more viable? Will you, you take the olive branch, Tim? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, so, you know, we were part of the PRA. The last Performance Rights Act had accommodations for Internet radio and we supported that bill actively with our listeners. The PRA was a bill designed to uh, bring a royalty to broadcasters and it didn't pass. And, you know, to the, my, my answer to that question earlier from John, we just can't wait. You know, the, 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 it's, a, it's a different fight. I get how – I totally get the logic of what you're saying, but um, we can't keep spending year after year beholden to a, a fight that is, has been going on for decades and, and that, that is, um, you know, on a different path from ours. So I don't, I don't, not, I don't say I don't sympathize with what you're saying, but it's a prob- problematic for us. Because it's, it seems as if the two royalty – I mean, it's a performance right that, mm. you know, is – is and all these radio stations are paying it when they're broadcasting digitally. So they are, they are paired mm. together in terms of to the artists. It's a revenue stream that's going to be from the same source vis-a-vis sound exchange. But it's still if, – if you're talking about not approach – addressing mm. that to the issue, then it's – it's sort of not a holistic approach to the problem. So I, I, I don't agree with that. I mean, that's a political linkage being made to drive a different fight. And, and, and uh, you know, the fact that there's an injustice here doesn't mean that you can't fix this injustice, even though they're kind of somehow, you know, similar. There's no natural, there's no sort of legal logic behind that. That's discriminating against one sector and saying, well, you know, you guys are getting screwed. Well, you can keep getting screwed until we fix this thing. That's linking them for political reasons, and that's not, to me, illogical. I get why it's practical, but it's not fair to internet radio. And on that note, uh, I want to thank you all for uh, staying, and thanks very much to Tim Westergren for uh, speaking to us about internet radio royalties and the internet radio business.